Welcome to the SAMA Podcast, where we talk to the most experienced people in B2B to find answers to one simple question. How can you become and remain essential to your strategic customers? Tune in as our guests reveal what it takes to become the supplier they cannot afford to lose. Learn how to level up your account management strategies to promptly deliver speed, convenience, and success to each customer. Let's jump into the discussion right now with Denise Fryer and Harvey Dunham. Hello, Liz. What an honor it is to be speaking with you today. Thank you so much for being willing to share your key account journey today at Bellevue University with us. Welcome. Thank you, Harvey. It's an honor to be here. Well, the honor is all ours. And as I can't wait to learn more about what you're doing, should we just dive right in and get started? I'd say let's do that. Awesome. Awesome. So you're the director of key accounts at a university. And to the best of our knowledge, you're the only one of our customers working in higher education in the way that you're doing this. Can you explain for all of us what you're working on, the environment you're working in, why you decided that it was right for strategic account management approach? I would love to just get that orientation going in. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. You know, I've had that question several times on my journey through the CSAM program as well. You know, why are you here essentially? How does it relate to higher education? And the very simple answer to start is being in higher education, we're constantly wanting to learn, to expand upon what we're doing already, find best practices. And that's really um, where this all started. We saw that SAMA had best practices in account management and us being the natural learners that we are and wanting to do that moving forward, we thought this would be a great opportunity and a great experience. As far as the environment in which we work, Bellevue University has a corporate arm. That's the arm of the university that I work in. We've had corporate partnerships for over 20 years in which we work at all different levels and capabilities and learning learning interventions with different organizations all over the world or all over the world and the country. And throughout those last 20 years, we've been trying to continue, continually do better, find the best practices. And that's why this time it seemed like just the perfect time to jump into another opportunity where we could learn and grow and be better for our partners, for our final end user, the student. And and all the things we're learning through Sam have really helped get a jumpstart on on doing that for us. So I guess, you know, that that gives a little background of why we we started with SAMA, just to really continue to expand upon what we're already doing and and to grow from there. Awesome. Awesome. Well, and it's, you know, it really strikes me that educational, professional, personal development isn't something I can really get my hands on. It's intangible. So can you talk about the challenge of selling an intangible product or solution and, and how you work through the, this with customers? Sure, absolutely. And you know, you're right. It's not something that you immediately think, gosh, I can just put my hands around it like a glass or a phone or you know something like that. And also with education and learning, there's a longer runway for people to make decisions sometimes about whether or not that's the right move for them. Kind of reminds me of the pit of misery, which we learn in in core zero of they have to be in that pain to kind of decide whether or not they want to move forward with something that's going to utilize their free time to learn and, and make advancements within their own careers. And so that's what we really try to focus on when we talk with new partners or with students talking about what's your end goal for learning and, and upskilling yourself and, and your 
Is it for your job and your position? Is it to just beat your high school senior to college? You want to, you want to be finished with college before they start? What is your, your goal behind using education in that way? And we try to also use past success stories of partners we've worked with that have seen a great return on investment with, with investing in their employee population, with education, with training. Over the last couple of decades, we've had certain partners actually do research studies with us. So we had more tangible information at that point to show the results of, of learning and learning interventions within the organization. But beyond that, we look at, you know, if is education successful in your organization and what does that mean to you? Are you looking to retain employees? Are you looking to upskill a very specific portion of your organization? Maybe it's your IT team, you're wanting to learn a specific skill. And once we can go through some of those goals and those that the partner has with bringing in a learning intervention, it helps us formulate the thought around how we can make education more tangible for them. So it is tricky initially when they come in uh, and talk about, you know, this intangible product or solution that you're selling, but as you talk through it and look at past stories and what they're really trying to do and then put the metrics into it, retention or recruitment or what key performance indicators are you trying to change? It makes it much more real and makes it more tangible for them. Wow, that's really interesting. So when you're looking at the customer, what's interesting is is that your customer, your immediate customer, their customer that they're thinking about and thinking about educating, developing and all is really their employees. Right. So that's really cool. So how do you manage that dynamic of of there's a if you will an economic buyer, somebody mm-hmm. who is going to bless what it is that you're doing. But, you know, getting to those individual learners, how does that, how do you do that? You know, that's a great question because that comes a lot, it comes up a lot when we have a new employee starting, you know, initially you think we have B2B conversations because to your point, you're talking to that person who's trying, you're trying to get that buy into the organization that you are a good strategic fit for them. And often with our team, that tends to be an HR director or a chief learning officer that we're having those B2B conversations about what learning interventions will help meet your the key performance indicators you're targeting. Kind of like we were just talking about previously, what are your big pains that you need to see a change within your organization? And so they're thinking organization as a whole. So once we've had those conversations and they've decided, you know, it's really... I really need to get more um, employees within our organization to have a full bachelor's degree because the jobs we're hiring for require it and we want to hire internally. So that's what we're trying to to do is help upskill them so they can be prepared to fill these positions and that succession planning. And so once we have those conversations, it shifts more to a B2C conversation where we're talking with the individual employees and what's in it for them. Are they wanting to reach a different position with the organization? Is it about salary increase? Is it just they want that knowledge to help them just feel better in their current position, even if they don't elevate to a different position with the organization? But it's also about what's in it for them. Like we were talking about earlier, do they have personal goals around what they want to do with with their college education? Is it they've been waiting 20 years to finish their degree and now they want to do it? You know, you kind of have to think through those different pieces. So you're absolutely right. We we refer to it as a B2C sell. So you're talking B2B and B2C 
kind of at the same time and engaging with both the audience. So that on our side, we look at messaging. Is the messaging a B2B voice? Is it a B2C voice? What is that? And it reminds me a bit, Harvey, of that third box thinking. What are your customers' customers thinking? And how can you realize what they care about to help get them on board? And so that portion of the SAMA training has really come in handy and really is easily relatable to in our, in our job every day. So that's a great question. It can get, get a little tricky and hard to explain at times, but it really works well once you get it going. And you're doing this really at the beginning as you're starting to formulate a plan with a customer. You're meeting with the economic buyer, as I described them, the head of HR, learning and development, those kinds of folks. Mm-hmm. But you're also talking to the employee, the people that need to be trained, that want to improve themselves and develop. And you bring that together, those two points of view in a proposal, is that... Yes, basically. So when we when we figure out what the need is of the organization, it could be maybe it's a customized certificate for IT, for example. The contract comes together, a statement of work, we're able to discuss together the needs and put that, lay that out in the contract. And then there's also parts of our contracts that include how is this going to be promoted and what are the requirements on both sides? Because if it's one-sided, this will not go well. You know, if a in higher education, what we've learned that if a employee does not feel supported by their HR team or by their learning and development team to do something, why would they go do it? If they feel that support and that stamp of approval is coming from those positions, they're much more likely to engage in it because that means that their company is supporting them, their company is investing in them. And then they're more likely to want to to go forth and do that. So a portion of our contracts really has to do with the commitment of the organization to say, that's great, we're doing this, but you're going to need to make sure that you promote it and everyone hears about it. Because as much as we like to go out and visit customers and partners, we can't sit next to them day to day and tell them how great of an opportunity this is. They have to promote internally. So that's a portion of our contract that speaks to that B2C side or that end user, which is the student. So it really is a partnership between our two organizations and how we can align these high impact strategic solutions for their employees. But you have to have both working together to do it. That's really cool. I hadn't really thought about that. But I mean, you're not only is there the the, the training and the education, but how's that going to relate to your audience and how do you promote that to them? Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's a key and part. you've already talked to their students and you kind of know what they want. You know what the, why they're doing this, what their motivation is. Mm-hmm. Probably a lot easier. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I'm a, in marketing. If you know what the audience wants to hear and wants to know more about, it really helps a lot. A lot oh, absolutely. And if, if the organization is saying, we are investing in you, our employees, it creates loyalty of those employees. It creates um, excitement because they have a new opportunity that's going to be recognized within their within their organization. And often we have some companies that actually develop alongside with us where they put Bellevue University courses or programs into their career development paths for their employees. And that, you know, really works well for those employees because they see, you know, I'm talking to my manager about my career path at the at the company. And then I see a direct link to a learning path or a learning intervention that will help me get where I need to get in my career path. So with those companies that we really have a strategic partnership with, we really try to go right alongside what they're already doing with career planning and education plans 
to help their employees really get the fullest experience they can to meet their next goal or the next step. Amazing. What great work. Must be very rewarding when you see it happen and all. It really is. I've been at Bellevue for 13 years and you know every day is has different and new challenges, but it's exciting and I agree that you know seeing that final student at Bellevue walk the stage and and then hopefully get that career choice, hopefully get that job they wanted is is really rewarding. It's a we call it a goosebump moment, Harvey, where we are so happy and proud of those people that are achieving their goals and their dreams. Amazing. No, that's great. It- but it's got to be fun to be working in an environment like that. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Well, and, you know, then we take it to the next next step. But back to you, you know, you weren't a Sam coming into this role. And, you know, but now you're responsible for the company's Sam program or building sure. university Sam program and putting it together. So I'm I'm curious how that journey went, what kind of processes you're putting your in place and how you're bringing, starting to form a team and mm-hmm. develop this. Yeah. And that's a great question. I was glad when I, I, mean, I was glad to hear that when you mentioned that, because to give you a little background on my team, my team of account managers on average, they've all been there at least 10 years. And so we have a very experienced team, a very dedicated team to our cause and our mission and so over the last couple of decades, as I said, we, we've been working strategically with organizations across the country, across the world. And so a lot of the information that we're learning through the SAMA program is not new necessarily or shocking to us, the ideas behind it, which is very positive to have that feeling. If it was shocking, I think we'd have, have an issue. But since it's not new and shocking, it's also easier to implement because it makes sense. A lot of what we're learning, it makes sense where we can implement some of these processes and ideas in a very easy way because it's easy to see what the result might be. And what I mean by that is when I, when you said the word, you know, kind of how do you get them to do it or how do you incentivize them to utilize these processes and these ideas? And my response to that is that it's because we can show a very effective and efficient way to maybe get to the business sooner or make it more easily repeatable. And that's what I keep talking about with my team when I look at these processes and these ideas through SAMA. You are able to use processes to then repeat hopefully the same end goal that you got the time before. And that's what we were missing was the account segmentation, for example. That's something that we have implemented since working with Sam. And what I was able to do was take the trusted advisor, the preferred supplier, the vendor statuses, and move that into a tier system for our accounts. We work with over 100 accounts. And before SAMA, it was much of a mindset of everyone's treated the same. And as you can imagine, that created a lot of extra work at times. It created a lot of spinning where, well, if I have to treat this account the same and do this with this account, it, it caused a lot of times for pause and stalling which wasn't our intention. Everyone was just trying their best to give the best service to every partner. But now that we've been able to do account segmentation and these tiers, it's really cut down and hopefully will continue to cut. It's still pretty new, but we've seen changes so far that it's cut down on time spent on certain accounts. You know, when you think about account and the vendor status, if we're not a priority to them, that's fine. You know, we'll work with them at that level, but we shouldn't be putting our strategic partnership 
processes and ideas into that account if that's not what they're seeking. And so it's helped us separate further out where our human resources are spent, where our financial resources are spent. And that has in turn helped alleviate with the account managers a little bit of that mental heaviness that comes when you're trying to give everything to everyone the same. Now they can start saying, I'm going to do, I hate to say less over here, but you, you just are more, you're behaving more strategically with the type of account that you're dealing with. And I think that has helped the account managers see that they can get to their end goals a little bit more quickly in some ways, and then know that they're going to have to spend more time on an account, like a strategic account, but they're going to get probably more out of that with that time and energy. Uh, Even though they're putting more time and energy in, they're going to get more time and energy back from that partner. So through some of these, that's just an example of a, a process that we've implemented with the account segmentation. It's actually gone beyond just what does that account look like in account management, we've actually gone on to assign marketing resources and levels of marketing that they would receive at each tier as well, which has helped too. When I talk about financial resources, that's that's helped as far as what type of marketing should they receive? Is it you know everything and anything under the sun or is it these specific automated processes? And then from there, we've had conversations about how to start bringing in the whiteboarding process that's been in the SAMA courses and how to really repeat that process. Every account, if you go in with this type of mentality, then you can start comparing accounts too to see who's responding to what and why they're responding, why they're not responding. And we can start, I just keep saying the word repeatable, but I love that, that we have more metrics. And that's what Sama has brought to us is we're able to put more metrics behind things and then make a decision. So I know that was probably a long answer to your question, but it's really helped us divide and conquer kind of our, our high opportunity situations and then make sure we're serving our partners the way they really want to be served. And that's been very effective for time-saving and effective or inefficiencies on our side. Oh, that's, I'm just thinking back to when we first talked probably two years ago, yes. <laughs> where, where, you, where you were and you were looking at this problem, this collection of customers and saying, you know, we talked about, are they all the same or are they different? And in fact, they're all different. You're absolutely right. And and that's such a good point to bring up because we did talk a couple of years ago and and now you mentioning that loud makes me feel very accomplished of where we've we've ended up as of today. <laughs> yes. Well, I, you're you're doing great work, great pioneering work, I would say, in many ways. And it, I appreciate that. And I, I'm you know, I'm curious, you know, you talked about metrics and those things, but I'm also this is probably more qualitative. How would you compare the kind of conversations that your account managers are having with the customers now compared to where how it was before? You know, that, that's a great question. And we're still kind of on the beginning of seeing exact changes because what I'm asking my team to do now is I'm challenging them at times to say, you know, start trying to use the language, co-discovery, co-value, talk about, you know, items that you might do in a whiteboard session with them. And so I've been trying at times to pop into calls and kind of shadow these conversations to see how the response might be different. But I do have to say with two of our bigger accounts, we've started trying to approach it in more of a SAMA-esque way so we can utilize these processes and procedures. And it's going well. It's interesting. What I'm noticing is that some of the conversations don't have to be as long. There doesn't have to be as a drawn out of time frame between conversation and conversation A and conversation B, 
because we're asking those targeted questions, those precise questions, and we're able to take action on it. I think previously we, we were asking the right questions, but maybe not with that action behind it. You know, and I think that that's what I'm seeing as we work with SAMA is that we're able to have an action item before and then take that action, move forward, and then come to the next call ready to go. And really tying it back to what's in it for that customer, their key performance indicators, their goals over the next year. We have one partner who wants to be a best place to work, which many people wouldn't think that direct relates to education, but it relates to employee engagement. And if they're engaged and they're loyal to the company because you're providing opportunities to develop themselves, it absolutely relates back to that. So these conversations are just being tweaked in ways that we can start to use that language and make it more, make it more natural in the client conversation. So I'm seeing that it's more the, the verbiage is being more naturally used, which is leading to more succinct conversations, which is a benefit to all of us in a world where it doesn't seem like there's enough time to do anything. Well, what's interesting to me is, is that you're, you said the average age of your team or average years of experience is 10 years of experience. So you're trying to develop a, a new muscle, so to speak, a new right. way of going about it. And probably I would guess when they first look at it, it's like, oh my gosh, this is going to t- make the process stretch longer and it's going to be longer to get to the end. And it's really cool to hear that. In fact, actually you've experienced the opposite so far is that it's actually compressing it, it may take a little more work up front, the discovery part, mm-hmm. so to speak, but it I actually think, gets you to the end faster. I so. think that's a good point because yes, when you look at it initially, I think it's natural when anyone looks at a new process to think, oh gosh, now I have to log something here and I have to track something here. But once you get into the flow of it, it does save you time. So you're right. At the front end, I think sometimes there's a little bit more work but it will create less work later because you have a clear direction on where you're wanting to go. So I agree with that. It is interesting. I'm curious to see how this will continue to move forward. Oh, that's great. Well, and, you know, as if your challenge wasn't big enough to be a pioneer in this space, so to speak, then COVID came along (laughs) and told us to do everything from home virtually on a Zoom call or Mm -hmm your favorite teams or whatever. Mm-hmm. So how's that working for you? Oh gosh, the last two years. <laughs> you know, on one side of it, as a university as a whole, I feel very positive to report that, you know, we, our main niche is adult learners. And so we've been pioneering online learning for over 20 years. So I feel very positive to share with that 90% of our learners were already learning online. And so fortunately, there was not a big hiccup with our learners themselves, which was a very proud moment for for our university. Now, granted, a lot of our learners had other things going on in their lives that prohibited, you know, kept them from maybe continuing with their learning because they had different things going on in their own lives. But that why, why I bring that up is because Bellevue University often has already been ahead of the curve when it came to the online environment and the online world. And so with our team in general, since we already had that mindset of, well, we have people learning all over the world. We can figure this out. We got this. It made it, I'd say, slightly easier in that sense because it was a natural cultural fit for our um, university. However, I believe everyone 
on our team kind of had to take a pause for a moment going, what do I do now? You need to take a minute to take a breath and kind of think what's, what's my next step here? Because although we might feel comfortable with it, it doesn't mean our manufacturing partners felt comfortable with it. Or, you know, some of these partners that are out in the field working every day, working in agriculture, you know, they can't work from home. And how does that work? And so our shift I think really what we found is that kind of like we had been talking about previously, succinct conversation. So we've been able to get on calls perhaps with people in the C-suite a little bit more easily than we would have been before where we had to fly out to their office, wait to meet with them. And then they got pulled into a different meeting, which is, you know, a hundred percent a reasonable excuse. You know, they get pulled into a different meeting, even though we have, you know, a visitor from out of town. So I found that we've been able to get more executive level or C-level people on a Zoom call with us because they know it's a 20-minute window, it's on their calendar, and they're ready to go versus that traveling. What it's also allowed us to do is make our in-person time more impactful because that is also still very, very important to the relationship, to shake a hand, to look somebody in the eye and have that impromptu conversation that really only happens when you're going to lunch together. And so what we've tried to do is separate it to those Zoom calls are succinct and have a very strong goal at the end of them. And then we move on and an action item. And then when we're able to meet in person, which is farther and you know farther and fewer in between now, it's made to be a very strong goal behind in the sense that we are coming here to, dis- to discuss these points. We're going to be leaving with this goal in mind. And so to make sure they feel that their in-person time is worth it because that's what I think has kind of happened now. People's in-person time has become even more valuable because if they have to leave their house or leave their company to go do something, it better be worth it. <laughs> I think right. in a lot of ways. And so that's the way our team has tried to continue to make that unique business value valuable to them, whether it's a Zoom or in person, but we've tried to shift a little bit to see what would they need in this moment quarterly, or if we're going to meet with them in person yearly, what does that look like? Amazing. Amazing. It's great to hear your experience. And I I hadn't really thought about the fact, but of course, you've been working on e-learning and remote learning and virtual learning for a long, long time. So that really put you in a good position to deal with this crisis and kind of know what some of the problems and the pain points are of the company that you're working with and Mm -hmm. their employees. That's amazing. Right. And, you know, it, it doesn't stop any of, I'm sure, the stress and anxiety that was caused for all people everywhere that had to shift. But I did feel positive about um, our culture already having an easily adapt. You know, we already knew that people were learning online because they were busy. Right. Now they just have to stay home and they're busy. So it maybe was a little bit easier of a shift than some other organizations. Well, as I, we've got, I've got time for, I think, one more question here. So I just wonder, looking ahead, where do you go from here? What are your next steps over the next year, three years, five years? What are you, what are you thinking about? That's such a great question. I feel like in a world right now, where we're thinking minute by minute. I love to see that you wanted to ask that question because I had to think about it a little bit about what we want to do. I would say in this first year, I'd really like to fully implement this tier segmentation, this account segmentation process, because right now it really is within my corporate key market area. But at the university, we have several other key market areas. We have community college, we have international, we have military, which are key market areas that we focus on that particular demographic. 
And so what I would like to see over the next year, at least, is that our team fully implements the segmentation, shows successes from it so that these other key market areas start to see the success from it. And then over the next one to three years, we can utilize this tier segmentation and other SAMA practices within these other teams. Because what I'm finding, like we had talked about earlier, it's not that these processors, these ideas are brand new or shocking, but it does take a minute to rethink and reframe how you look at accounts. And so I'd like to have this more solidified in the corporate team and then take it to these other key market areas over the next five years or the next three years and have them implement it and feel confident in it and see the successes from it. And then at that five-year mark, gosh, I would love to see it as a well-oiled machine. We're using benchmarking assessments. We're using account evaluation matrix, maybe using the Valkyrie tools to, to do more of that. So have it be very organized and that anyone across the university would hear co-value, co-discovery and go, oh, I know what that means. I know what they're talking about or account segmentation. And that goes beyond the business units at the university, which is the key market areas of community college, international, corporate, but our, our deans of our colleges, when we're working with them, we come to them with a, a company asks us for a specific learning intervention. Maybe they want some type of program to help prepare their frontline managers to become managers. So they know when we come to them with a strategic account, they go, okay, they've already vetted all these different ideas. They've already walked through it. So we know we're ready to go. And that's what we didn't have before. We come with an account that wasn't fully vetted to know that the company was fully invested. They knew there was a budget in mind. They had the key players involved. And my hope is that in five years, if we go to the dean of a college and say, we're ready to go with the learning intervention for a strategic account, they know we have all the key players. It's serious. We're ready to move. There's a budget and we move. And so that's my hope is that it becomes so integrated with the language and the ideas and the theories behind it is that we can cut down on the time of going, are you sure this is what you want to do? But no, this is what we want to do. This is the reason we're moving forward. So I guess that's my, that's my hope with that five-year mark is that we all, and then I don't know, we'll see what you guys are doing and maybe we'll implement what your, the next great idea Sama has. <laughs> we'll talk. I've got <laughs> just learned some things this last week. So lifelong yeah. learner and all. So Liz, thank you so much for sharing your time and this great adventure that you're on and, you know, the purpose of it. Mm -hmm. It's so great to talk to people that are, you know, it's, it just comes through your voice that you're working on something that you believe passionately in and it's so infectious. So thanks for sharing that journey with us. We really appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. And I appreciate all the support that Sama provides because a lot of this, all of these ideas, and I'm sure many account managers feel this way. You hear it and you learn it and it takes you a minute to try to figure out how you can implement it. And I know you and many others have been helpful to, to help sort out my ideas. <laughs> so I appreciate that. And this has been a great program to, to take Bellevue University and our learning to the next level. Well, I think we've gotten as much of, I hope we've given as much as we've gotten actually. Mm -hmm. So thank you very much from all of us who are lifelong learners. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Wish you all the best in your continued journey to co-create and deliver value to your customers. And we're here to help in any way that we can. So, Well, thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode. We hope today's wisdom will lead you down the path of experiencing success in your profession. Remember, 
The key to successful strategic account management is discovering where your customer wants to go and helping them get there. Subscribe to our podcasts at strategicaccounts.org. We hope you'll leave a positive rating and share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. If there's something we can do to improve our podcasts, please let us know. That's all for today. See you on the next one. We'll be right back.